I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Resource, Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. Back for another episode. And today, we're going to talk about something that gets talked about a lot in our office, and that is personal philosophies. Uh, not necessarily a specific pers- personal philosophy, but you know what personal philosophies are for. Why, if you have one, what it can do for your business, and if you don't have one, why you might want to consider adopting one. So, Jay, first question, do you have a personal philosophy? I don't have one. Okay. I have several. Now, and and I want to be clear too, are these specifically business philosophies, like philosophies of how to run a business, or are these, or do you have several for all different facets of your life? Uh, any facet of my life is subject to have a or multiple philosophies. So what do we mean when we say personal philosophies? Because it can sound kind of fuzzy. Like I may, I may be completely misusing this word. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, mantras is another word that comes to mind. Yeah. I, I, I think that a philosophy in my mind is something that um, you feel passionate about, passionate enough that it moves you to action. Okay. And um, it, any decision that is contrary to the philosophy is something that, you know, is, is very, very challenging right. for you. The, the idea of a philosophy for me is it makes decision-making easier. Mm-hmm. It makes your convictions that much stronger. Um, it, it's easy to guide human behavior with pre-programmed, um, decisions based on ideals that you hold to be important. Sure. That's a philosophy to me. Yeah. And I mean, and it's good that you cleared up that way because when I think about personal philosophies, I, I see it as like, it's a framework, right? It's like, it's guidelines. Cause I mean, philosophy is a big tree with a lot of branches, but I mean, what we're talking about is it's an idea or like a theme or, or a mission statement almost, you know, that guides everything that you do. And like you said, if you do something that it's an aberration from it. You notice. Well, and that's and that's just it. The the we are fallible beings. Sure, you know, just about any study of philosophy or religion or you know personal achievement or society will tell you that he, will show you like infinitely many examples that a human being is flawed, and the best of us, the most convicted the most disciplined are subject to flaw subject to flaw often mm-hmm. okay regardless of how of how convicted you are or you know how disciplined you are or determined you are how motivated you are you will you will fail you will fail in micro moments so having a philosophy that governs that makes that simplifies your decision making eliminates 
the opportunity for slight edge decisions taking you away from things that you hold. I often talk about, and a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy, but I talk about the difference, a lot about the difference between the conscious and subconscious mind. Okay, the subconscious makes the majority of our decisions for us. And training your subconscious to make certain types of decisions through philosophies, Mm -hmm. through mantras, through programmatic action, Look, it's okay to be pre-programmed as long as you're the one doing the pre-programming. Exactly. And so if you can make your decision-making easier, I think it's a way to to simplify and make discipline more attainable. Sure. And it's like you said, when I think about you know my particular personal philosophies that I have, most of them involve ways for me to get myself back on track when I find myself lost. So you say you have like a... a, a slight edge moment where you make a mistake you can either let it derail you and lead to more mistakes or you can go back to your framework go back to your railroad tracks and figure out how to get realigned and that's what that's what most of mine are for well well, just think about the statement that you just made and think about think about the acknowledgement in reality that exists just in that simple statement go back to your framework yeah like you're acknowledging the fact that you're going to get off off target Mm -hmm. you're going to get off your plan yeah just just being, just being. Literally, Gabe, I wanted to work out this morning. I got up in time. I found myself enthralled in what I, something, a piece of work that I never didn't intend to do. And I said, screw it. I just didn't work out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I probably should have worked out. Like, what I was doing was not that important. Mm-hmm. I just felt particularly engaged in it. It became important, yeah. And I thought, you know, the 45 minutes that I'm going to spend working out, I'd rather spend on this in the moment. I drink an extra cup of coffee and I keep working. That probably wasn't best for my health. Sure. But the truth is, is my mantra, my philosophy, my commitments to myself that that govern my decision-making will make it that much easier to either make up that workout tonight or in the morning or, you know, I feel the pressure mounting that I place on myself. Yeah. So... It's, a, it's accountability, it's commitment, it's discipline, it's all of these things. Absolutely. So let's talk about personal philosophies and their relationship to your business, right? So clearly we are talking about most, more often than not, your real estate business. So what personal philosophies of yours, if there's some that you're willing to share, would you say have had the biggest impact on your business? Like once you started committing to it, it you saw ripple effects. Well, without a doubt, a commitment to proactivity. Mm-hmm which is a core value that I hold. Um, I would say core val- having core values in itself is a personal philosophy. No, ab- absolutely. But, but that one particular core value um, and, and placing value in action versus, you know, versus idea versus theory versus whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, it almost feels like an oxymoron because you have an o- a philosophy, which is thought based. Yeah, a philosophy for action, mm-hmm. um, which is practical th- philosophy is what that's called. Th- yeah. Yeah, there you go. Literally, Gabe, a commitment to proactivity in all things, specifically when it pertains to marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's easy to remain proactive when repping a buyer. Yep. Okay, to, to constantly survey the market for the perfect home, to constantly evaluate the the pluses or minuses of this area versus that, of this circumstance versus that, of four bedrooms versus three, or garage or basement or both, or whatever. Easy to remain proactive there. But I often also say, you could call this a philosophy, is that um, agents 
who are more qualified and credible tend to lean more towards the listing side of the business. Mm -hmm. The reason being is that when a buyer's agent is not able to locate a home for their buyer to purchase, it's not their fault. It's the market's fault. When an agent who is on the listing side is not able to get a home sold, it's not the market's fault. It's It's the the agent's fault. fault. Sure. So, so, the philosophy that you should move towards listing side business as you become more credible for a variety of reasons, one of which being leverage and the ability to serve more sellers at one time than buyers. That's Mm -hmm. a philosophy. But I think my proactivity lends itself well to marketing because the perception in the consumer is that most agents stick a sign in the yard and they field calls and that's about it. Wait for things to happen. Yeah. So I've, you know, taken the liberty to do things that are creative, that are not, that are, that are unorthodox to garner attention, that are unique to a specific property. It's hard to quantify and show someone in a listing presentation, but the truth is our results speak for themselves and our results are rooted in proactivity. Right. So that, that, that's the number one business philosophy that I have is proactivity. Yeah. You win tons of points with your clients through proactivity. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying is it serves in more ways than one, right? It's, it's helping your listing side business, helping your buyer side business. It's probably helping the organization of your team. It's probably, probably has an effect on a lot of different things in your business all by committing to one singular idea. Yeah. And that's a more broad topic for you. I mean, we can get into individual, you know, listing philosophies and buy side philosophies and all this stuff we can we can do investing philosophies sure proactivity is has a ripple effect throughout my entire business both buying side selling side team building brokerage building you know property management investing everything i do is rooted in proactivity so if i'm someone listening that doesn't necessarily have a personal philosophy it maybe sounds a little hokey to me uh, and I hear you talking about having all these multiple ones. It, that can sound pretty exhausting pretty quick. How much work goes into having, like, do you have to wake up every day and meditate on these? Like, this is my mantra. I repeat it to myself 10 times in the mirror and then I'm ready for the day. How much, how much of it's in the forefront and how much of it is the subconscious mind like you were talking about? Well, I think the hardest part is identifying the need for the philosophy. Once you identify the need and codify it, you know, or formalize it, mm-hmm. Typically, the need justifies having one, and the subconscious takes it from there. Yeah. Like, trust me. Like, you know if you're going to eat healthy, you know that when you're scarfing down French fries that you're not following that philosophy, if you will. Sure. Like, if you're going to live a well-balanced life, and that, that is, that is a, a, something that you want to hold dear – well, you, you don't need to be going to McDonald's. Exactly. Like, you know when you, each and every one of us know. Like this morning, my example, when I decided not to work out, I knew that I wasn't doing what I should have been doing. Mm-hmm. So that resonates. It resonates in your conscious, and it filters through your subconscious. So, it, yes, the subconscious does the heavy lifting on all decision making. That, that, Gabe, that goes back to the need to have a philosophy. So, so here's what I'm saying to answer your question. I hope if you're listening to this podcast right now, you decide that you need some rules for yourself because if you can't follow your own rules, how do you expect to follow anyone else's? Sure. 
Okay, and maybe you don't want to follow anyone else's, and that's a philosophy of yours. But you know what? That takes you having some pretty strict requirements of what you're going to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And don't think of it even in an achievement standpoint. I can give you, coach, you countless examples that I know somebody that absolutely positively will not take on a client that they perceive to be too difficult or unrelenting on things that are not rooted in truth. Okay. A seller, he will not take an overpriced listing. Period. Period. Point blank. And you know what? He coaches his kids Little League, and he makes a quarter million dollars a year, and he doesn't want to make 500. He wants to make 250. He has his pick of all the best clients. He coaches his kids Little League. He's home for dinner most, if not every night. He lives the life he wants to live. Yeah, because he has a clear image of what that is. And that philosophy of not working with delusional people serves him well. There you go. But you can't tell me that he's not drawn to a $500,000 listing that he thinks he can probably get sold after a couple of price reductions and make a $15,000 commission. That is a, There is an allure to that. Sure. To go against his – and you know what? He's fallible. So he probably makes some mistakes. But more often than not, his philosophy serves him. Yeah, well, his philosophy makes it a 95-5 situation or a 90-10 as opposed to just flying by the seat of his pants on every lead. Which is doable. Yeah, and that's manageable. It's manageable. You don't find you don't wake up with an unrecognizable self on a 95-5 success rate. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, the, the people literally, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something, Gabe, and you may not realize this, but I'm seeing some people get out of the real estate industry right now that would shock you. They're getting out of the real estate industry because the the business does not work for them anymore. But it doesn't work for them anymore because the lack of self-control that comes with a philosophy that has followed. They woke up to an unrecognizable self after 20 years of grinding in service of what they thought they wanted. And when they got near the finish line, they didn't recognize themselves. Sure. Nor did they appreciate the payoff that they thought was coming for two decades. And that that's not specific to any one person, but like th- that's the general thing that I'm seeing. That's the general like avatar of the person I'm I'm having issues with. Or I'm seeing these these issues crop up with. Mm-hmm. So it may be like more crucial than you even realize that you develop these ideals and these philosophies for yourself. Yeah. Because the guy I gave you an example with, he's never going to have that because he knows what he wants. Yeah. And he wakes up every day in service of it and his subconscious supports him at least at a, an acceptable failure rate. Right. Right. Which we said, what, 95.5. I mean, if that's it, then he's doing phenomenally well. Well, I want to go back to something you said earlier, and this is something I was thinking about too as we were preparing for this episode, but what what you're saying is the philosophy doesn't start happening until after this really crucial step of you know honest self-examination, right? You have to have an honest look at what you're doing, what you're thinking, what your life looks like right now before you can form this. And so I would say that most of the people listening, even if they don't think they have a personal philosophy yet, or if they think, oh, I need to develop a personal philosophy, I would argue, I think they do. They do have a personal philosophy that maybe they don't, they haven't acknowledged yet. Maybe it's not an incredibly positive one. Maybe it's not one that's leading them towards their goals. It's something that can, that they've just fallen into over time. You know what I mean? So I think that 
you might be living by a personal philosophy right now, and that personal philosophy is, I didn't get to it today. I didn't prospect today, but hey, tomorrow's a new day. That's a, that's a personal philosophy. I, I did pretty crappy today, but hey, there's always tomorrow. But that might not serve your business, but that might be your philosophy right now as you're listening. And you don't get a new one. You don't get one that changes your business until you do the self-examination where you say, okay, is that what I'm doing 90% of the time? And is it helping my business? And if it's not, I probably need to do something different. The, the, what I would say to that, Gabe, is you're absolutely right. Um, all philosophies are created in your conscious mind. Sure. Okay. And um, the only way that you are void of a philosophy is that you just really don't care what your results are. Yeah. If you don't care what your results are, then you have no philosophy and you never self-examine. If you never self-examine, then you're just not tracking, you're not measuring, you don't know where you're headed, you're a ship without a rudder, and you know, you get what you get at that point. You can expect the results that come with that. Yeah. Yeah. It, what you you expect what you inspect. We say right. that all the time, right? That's a philosophy. That's a philosophy. Yeah. Uh, a philosophy rooted in following the numbers. Paying attention to the things that matter, you know. I don't. I don't want to get too like broad and like airy fairy about this whole thing, but like literally, just just caring enough to make conscious mind decisions over what you want your results to be, mm-hmm. what you want yourself to look like, what you want your life to look like, will lead you to a path of having a personal philosophy or multiple. I would. I would probably argue that ideals are very important. You know, who do you want to be? If you want to be something that's greater than just the result of not ever paying attention to, you know, your activities or results, then just do, just be, just go. That's fine. But, um, you know, you're going to get outperformed by the people that pay attention. Well, let me ask you this, because up until this point, we've been talking about personal philosophies, right? This is how I affect my actions, my thoughts, me as a person. As as a team leader, I think every I think the the analogy or the example that everybody can think of when you're someone that leads a business, this idea of a personal philosophy for your business is like a mission statement, right? Everybody's had everybody's at least flirted with the idea of a mission statement whether your business has one that's like on the wall of your like waiting room or maybe like you've sat down and tried to write one down and this is never it was a little too hokey for you. But um beyond just like kind of the canned this is our three line mission statement. What ways are there to implement a personal I'm doing quotations air quotes. personal philosophy for your entire team? Or for your entire business, I know that sounds like well, what we're talking about. Is mission we, statement. We but. talked we talked about it a bit ago. Um, I think the much more coachable form of making your philosophies manifest in your business is coming up with core values. Okay, core values. Core yeah. values are coachable. They're they're actionable. Mm-hmm. It goes back to my proactivity. Actionable items that form your core values are coachable and adoptable more easily than a t- in a team setting. Also, so, they make it easy to hire. I mean, yeah, you can absolutely. search for core values. Absolutely. So, so we evaluate talent, talent being agents or employees or mm-hmm. staff members that join on four categories, right? I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But we ask 
ourselves when we meet someone, is this person a self-starter? Okay. Proactivity, right? Self-starter. That's a core value. That's a core value. Is this person a problem solver? Okay. Okay. Um, Is this person well-connected? That's more of an agent thing. Sure. Because we believe... Are they equipped? Connectedness. And that doesn't mean like what you think it means, like, oh, do they... Are they a family member of the business? Are they from the wealthy family in town that knows everybody and dad's going to give them all his business contact? No. Are they connected? Are they connected to people within communities that exist in their lives? Do they... Some people call this social drive. You ever heard the term social drive? Not that term, no, but I feel like I can pick up on it. Social drive is very simply someone's drive to interact with other people. So in our business... People, some some would call it a contact sport, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Making contacts, not like busting through not, the line you know, to sack the quarterback. Right. Like a contact sport. You need to be connected, connected within your communities. People that are a part of many communities, a church community, a, you sports know, community. a sports community, a team that they follow, a, a kid's school, you know, Boy Scouts, whatever. I mean, you can be a civics club leader something whatever um if you're if you're a part of a community and you, you empower community. well you seek out those communities but you're a catalyst within that community that that lead, lends itself to success in our real estate industry and the last thing is are you a culture fit because pretty much above all else we rejoice in the fact that we're a place that people like to show up every day mm-hmm. okay so those those four things are tantamount to core values. Yeah. So, you know, a mission statement is a formal summary that aims and values a company, organization, or individual. What yeah. the hell does that mean? I was about to say, do we even have a, a mission statement? We do. So uh, Remax Premier Properties has a mission statement. Somewhere in a handbook. Somewhere <laughs> in a handbook. Somewhere. But but do you say the mission statement to every person at an interview and then no. look in their eyes to see if they resonate with it? No, no. no. You know uh, what core values you're looking for. Exactly. A vision statement is a declaration of an organization's objectives intended to guide its internal decision-making. A vision statement is not limited to business organizations and may also be used by nonprofit or governmental entities. I feel like those lend themselves more to these kind of faceless large corporate. Like Remax has a mission statement that's on a poster we have downstairs, and they almost need one because like who's the face like you know it's it's like you need it to be able to know if you resonate with it or not but in the people business a contact sport like you said i think it's less important to have you know a cool trademark saying than it is to know what you stand for and know how to seek it out well core values gabe guide decisions decisions are rooted in proact proactive you know activity Mm -hmm. right we want to remain rooted in activity so core values reflect that like if our number one value is proactivity, well, the fact that we have core values that guide us is in service of that. Yeah, I mean it's just very, very simple, you know. Uh, and it, whether you whether it's spoken or not, it filters through your entire identity as an organization. Yeah, a, a rather small organization is what we are. I mean, we, I don't know. I, I mean, we're gonna have a company Christmas party here soon. Yep, it's gonna be like. There's gonna be like 120 people there. Really though, with spouses and oh, know. that's right. Because because plus one and man, I mean, we got 40 some agents. It's, it's pretty, crazy, pretty crazy, right? Anyway, 
Um, yeah, dude, that's that that's where my head is when it pertains to personal philosophies. Yeah. Well, we're getting we're getting through a lot of the meat of this pretty quick today. But before we finish up, I want to ask you one more thing too. That's like the team, organization, company level, you know, core values. How much do you think, just from your perspective, of your own personal philosophies, your personal core values that we talked about earlier in the episode, how much do you think of that trickles down to the people in this company? Like, obviously, I won't answer. My but personal? Yeah. Do you, think, do you think people notice the personal philosophies that you as the leader commit to, or do you think that that's just happening in your head and that's for your benefit? I think they notice. Yeah? I think they notice. I don't know that it guides their actions. Well, it certainly doesn't guide their actions as much as it guides mine. Yeah. I think probably more so than anything, the need for a philosophy mm-hmm. is is what resonates. Yeah. And I think that um, I think they probably have them. Yeah. Most of them. If not, they recognize the need and they recognize the flaw in in not developing some sort of belief system. Yeah. For themselves, they don't have to agree with me on everything, and they don't have to share my beliefs. Yeah, in the slightest. Like, as long as they are, you know, in, I would say they have to agree with the core values of the company. Yeah, which there is a lot of latitude afforded there. I mean, like, I'm not saying you have to work sixty hour weeks. I'm saying you have to be proactive. Well, see, and that's that's where I was going with this because I was going to say. If you're a leader that's listening to this, does your concern, does your fear need to be, do I need to only hire people that um, that mesh with my own personal philosophy? And I would say, just from my perspective where I'm at in the company, I would say there's tons of agents on this team that definitely notice that you have personal philosophies and commitments that you stick to, even if you fail them at times. And I would say it drives them to form their own, their own personal philosophies. I would say there's probably not a ton of people that have the exact same ones as you. But I would agree. With but that. I also don't think there's anyone on this team that has a personal philosophy that runs counter to yours, because I think everyone here is is bound by the core values, the company's core values. Yeah, everyone's bound by the core values, and that's the key in core values is they need to be broad enough to allow people to fill in their own specifics. Yeah, like you know, I'll just I'll make no bones about. It. I've had such good results with coming up with rules and, and core values and philosophies that guide my actions, Gabe, that I, I take it real micro. Like, I mean, I made a goal to lose a certain amount of weight last December by by Valentine's Day. And I literally decided in that moment that I was not going to eat fried foods. Yep. I was not going – I was going to take my lunch two days a week three days a week, I was going to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E. Mm-hmm. And they were literally like rules that I just governed myself by. I didn't say, I'm going to set out to have a well-balanced diet tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I just literally knew the culprits. I knew the bad stuff in my diet. I knew when I went, the days that I forego workouts, most typically. And I said, you know what? Alcohol. I said, Zero alcohol on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like, I, I've been known to go home and have a beer. Yeah, sure. One, you know, moderation, you know, a couple drinks a week. I just said, no, those. I, I'm going to have a couple beers on Friday, maybe, if I want to, and a couple beers on Saturday, if I want to. And if I don't, I won't. Sure. But I cut out alcohol the other five days of the week, 
and I stopped eating fried food and I stopped doing, you know, a few other things that I knew were counter to, oh, I drank, I drank, um, 150 ounces of water a day. Yeah. Okay. So you made these few rules that were very specific, but they were bite-sized. The bites, and you committed to them hard. Bite-sized, specific, and I and I I executed with relentless efficiency, and I hit my goal. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. It's amazing how you know I measured my progress along the way. Sure. And so I, if I wasn't getting close enough, I would have known where I needed to amp up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just that. And and you know I think people see those things. And they understand, and they see my overall results. They might even see like someone like you or some people on the team or Marcy or somebody. They're here, and they get to see my micro results, like my daily results. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, you might have access enough to see. Okay, well, that really works, or that failed miserably. But in the most case, I think what this can be boiled down to is I have a conviction about achieving certain things and these things work for me. So even if it's not completely your thing, Mm -hmm. you can take something from it. And I think that's what most people here do. And yes, I think they're, I don't think anybody's counter to the core core values. Um, they don't all prescribe to my specifics. Yep. Some of them are counter to my specifics, but still in line, but they still bring the company up. They're well, not. but it's 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 only it's okay specifics like expireds versus fizbos versus Zillow versus Sphere like prospect in the morning prospect in the afternoon it doesn't matter it does not matter you know somebody could completely disagree with me hate Zillow with a passion not want to ever close another direct response lead ever and Godspeed as long as you're proactive and you care about you know being a self starter you're well connected within your community X Y Z blah 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 yeah and you're, you're a culture fit and you're a culture fit we're all we're we're all great do your thing. We're all gravy. Live and let live. And you know what? At least, and and you know what? I'm going to learn from you as much as you learn from me. Because when you go out and you produce, when you produce with your interpretation of the core values, a light bulb in my head goes off. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be my way. Yeah. You start to see these things happen where as long as everyone is driven the way they need to be driven, it doesn't necessarily make a huge difference which direction it is. As long as everybody's bringing that same proactivity, that same energy, and that same commitment to their own personal philosophy, whatever that might be. No, I, I think that's exactly right. I, I, you know, I think that's probably about the message for today. I don't, I don't want to, you know, go too deep into it because too much of a good thing, sure, can can uh, can ruin it. My advice, though, in parting, would be take a look at where you want to move the needle in your life and in your business. And decide for yourself if it would benefit you to have a little more introspection and to give yourself some rules or a framework in your words to follow to get those results that you can execute, Mm -hmm. like I said, with relentless efficiency that you can hold yourself accountable to. And, you know, understand you're flawed, but... Learn how to get yourself back on track. Sure. That's what a philosophy is about. Yeah. And today's episode is my favorite kind of episode, too, because, like, as soon as you finish listening, I mean, there's actionable steps you can take. Like, if you're someone that still needs to do step one, which is self-examine, that's something you could do today. You could sit down with a piece of paper and say, these are the things that I notice and these are the things that I want and see where those match up and where they don't. Or if you're a person where your company doesn't have a real a sale that's guiding you in one direction... Maybe today's the day where you decide what would our four core values be if we needed core values, you know? Uh, you know, 
there's all kinds of things that you can do to kind of jumpstart this, but it's one of those things where as long as you have an idea and you're committed to it and it's clear, I think it, it starts producing results. I have an idea. If your company doesn't have a sale to follow, if your company doesn't have sale like S A I L, yeah, I think yeah. that's what you meant. Yeah. Like sale on a ship, the mast, rudder. There you go. Yeah. If you don't have a leader that instills these values, they may embody them. Yeah. You might have five people that show up and they just work hard all the time, but that's it. Everybody just works hard in their there, directions. There are plenty of philosophies out there that are that are followed but unspoken, embodied but unspoken. But I got an idea for you. If, if you're a part of an organization that you love and the leader embodies values that you see, how about you write down the values that they embody and why don't you go tell them about it? Or if there's someone that doesn't, you say, hey, this is why I'm here. I believe in A, B, C, and D. These are my values. Do you agree with these? Yeah, what do you think about these? If the answer is yes, then great. Then how about we be a little more vocal about them? Because I don't see how being more vocal about a positive thing leads to poor result, poorer results. And if the person says no thank you, then you might look for another place to be. Yeah. Because as far as I'm concerned, anyone who's scared to talk about improvement is holding themselves back and thus scared to improve. And <laughs> thus holding you back by, by affiliation. Sure. So I'm not telling you to go get a new broker. <laughs> I'm t- not telling you to go get a new team leader. But get a new team. <laughs> the, the the biggest the biggest culprit, the biggest theft that occurs of success and productivity is limiting belief. So focus, celebrate improvement, and do it through personal philosophy. Bingo. And it's 2018, y'all. We're not doing mission statements anymore. No more mission statements. We're doing core values. We're doing core values. 2018. We like actions. And it's almost 2019. Almost 2019. It's true. If you're listening to this in 2019, it's 2019, y'all. I can't wait till we get to 2020 just for the vision puns. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Have you thought about that? There's going to be so many commercials and everything. Vision vision 20. So uh, my alma mater, and I won't say who, they started it. Like, Like it was like 20... 2010, they came out with Vision 2020. <laughs> like, what we're going to do in the next 10 years. Oh, okay, gotcha. So they jumped on it really Oh, hard. they got it. They got it. But I'm telling you, there are marketers salivating. It's going to be exhausting. Like, like, like ad agencies are salivating for Vision 2020. Oh, gosh. Think about the presidential campaigns, too. Like, oh, my gosh. Just wait for those. Oh, All right. That's enough for today, everybody. Hey, this is Resource. Make sure to reach out to us if you have questions, but we will catch you next Like, time. subscribe, email. Yep, everything, all of the above. See you All soon. right, we'll see you guys later.